Hello, listeners, and welcome to Monsters Advocate. Monsters Advocate is a weekly podcast focused around the unsung heroes of myths and legends, the monsters. We'll take a look at some monster-centric myths and legends, some not-so-ancient cryptids, and everything in between, and try to sort out possible origin species, biological impetus for why they do what they do, and why we love to hear about them. Today, we'll be looking at a rowdy group of monsters that only a lumberjack could love. Known collectively as the Fearsome Critters, this quirky group of misfits is a relic of folklore from the frontier wilderness of North America. These creatures range from the goofy to the downright terrifying, and they have a special place in my heart because they are the children of isolation and boredom. Lumberjacks living in wilderness camps, sometimes with no towns for miles, would tell stories to explain the weird things they saw in the woods, or, if there was a new guy in camp, to see how badly they could mess with him. Fearsome Critter stories even had a specific way they were told. The Fearsome Critters came from storytelling call-and-response, with one storyteller starting off with a remark about a strange noise or sight they saw in the woods, and an accomplice who would immediately verify the story, adding their own details. And because lumberjacks would travel from camp to camp, these stories of odd creatures in the woods would only spread, with even more elaborate details and personal anecdotes being added with each new telling. They are the old-timey equivalent of Slenderman, and they were particularly effective because much of the country had yet to be explored by these newcomers. So who's to say there isn't a bird that flies upside down, or a small, stubby-legged dog that walks backward and sounds like a tea kettle? There are somewhere around 25 monsters that could be considered fearsome critters. Some are somewhat well-known, such as the hide-behind, which made a recent appearance in Dipper's Guide to the Unexplained, a miniseries of the cartoon Gravity Falls. Others are tragically underknown, such as the dragon-like Snallygaster, a beast that was almost brought to justice by a former U.S. president. From the hilariously unlikely to the modern-day cryptid, let's take a look at some fearsome critters. First up, let's start with some must-know goofy critters. The Squonk, the Axe Handle Hound, the Agropelter, and the Tripoderoo. We have a lot of creatures to cover, folks so let's buckle in. A native of northern Pennsylvania, the squonk is a sad, pig-like creature that is covered in warts, blemishes, and loose-fitting skin. This poor little buddy apparently knows exactly how unpleasant it is to look at, and so with its high metacognitive awareness and low self-esteem, it spends most of its time actively hiding from other animals and weeping. As if this wasn't bad enough, squonks are occasionally pursued by hunters. If you're going to hunt a squonk, though, Instead of a net, you might want a bucket, as a cornered squonk will become so embarrassed that it literally dissolves into a pool of tears and bubbles. This property of squonks was adopted by nerds who love chemistry and biology, as a substance that is stable in solution or in another quote-unquote wild form, but can't be isolated or captured without triggering decomposition, is known as a squonk. Now these next three, the axe handle hound, the agripelter and the tripoderoo are pretty clearly creatures created to torment the new guy. The axe handle hound, a native of Wisconsin and Minnesota, is a stubby-legged hound with a head shaped like an axe blade and a body shaped like an axe handle. A nocturnal monophage, the axe handle hound subsists solely on the handles of axes that have been left unattended. And you just know how those conversations played out. Hey, Jeff, ready to chop some trees? Uh, not really. When I woke up this morning, the handle of my brand new axe was, uh, gone. What? That's crazy. Aw, oh, jeez. Aw, oh, must have been an axe handle hound. 
Oh well, what are you going to do, am I right? Once Jeff gets a new handle for his axe, though, he's going to have to deal with the agropelter, or if he somehow teleports to California, the tripoderoo. The agropelter's range extends from Maine to Oregon, described as a creature with a slender, wiry body, the villainous face of an ape, and arms like muscular whiplashes. The agropelter lives in hollow trees and conifer woods, where its favorite activity is waiting for unsuspecting lumberjacks. Once a potential victim is sighted, the aptly named agropelter then spends its time hurtling dead branches and splinters at the unwelcome newcomer, which it does so quickly that it is impossible to see where the projectile came from. Hmm. I'm looking at you, older lumberjacks. All kidding aside, though, the agropelter is also blamed for disappearances in northern woods, as well as deaths caused by heavy branches falling. So, maybe not so cute. The tripoderoo is a creature in the same spirit, but much less deadly. A native of California and described as a small creature with a long, extendable prehensile snout and three telescopic legs, the tripoderoo is a carnivore with a unique hunting method. It stalks its prey through the bushes, and once it's in range, this small predator fires a small pellet of clay out of its prehensile snout, knocking the victim unconscious. It's also not a very good shot, occasionally hitting lumberjacks with its old-timey equivalent of a spitball. Right. Goofing off aside, being a lumberjack is a very dangerous job, and not every disappearance or death can be explained by an agropelter. So let's take a look at some less goofy critters that you might be less than pleased to share the dark woods with. Our first lumberjack predator is a species of big cat which appears to be separating into two subspecies. The ball-tailed cat is a big cat that occurs throughout North America, and is described as cougar-like, with an extremely long tail ending in a solid, bulbous mass for bludgeoning prey. Though one ball-tailed cat seems like enough of a predator as is, two subspecies of this animal exist, the digmaul and the silver cat. The digmaul is distinguished by its tail ending in a bulbous mass covered in spikes like a medieval mace, whereas the silver cat retains a smooth ball at the end of its tail like the ball-tailed cat, but gains spikes on its sides, giving it a more ankylosaur appearance. Now, I don't have details on how much of their ranges overlap, or if they can interbreed, but being able to read about speciation occurring in monsters pleases me greatly. Another predator with a wide range is the hidebehind, a monster that occurs throughout all of the wooded areas in North America. There is no agreed-upon description of this creature, as its primary method of hunting is concealment. When an observer attempts to, well, observe the hidebehind, the creature simply sucks in its stomach and hides behind another tree, or even sometimes the observer themselves. It can suck in its stomach so much that it can hide behind the trunk of any tree, where it lies in wait for unwary lumberjacks. The unfortunate woodsman, thus ambushed, is then dragged away to its lair to be devoured. This creature was used to explain an unfortunate reality of lumberjack life, that sometimes woodsmen went out for the day and... just never came back. Luckily, there is an easy way to avoid becoming hide-behind chow. Hide-behinds hate alcohol, and avoid it at all costs. So, to avoid hide-behinds, all you have to do is carry alcohol, and maybe drink a little of it from time to time. Or a lot. This made lumberjacks drinking on the job not only valid, but life-saving. The last woodsman stalker is a banshee-like cat with a silly name. The wampus cat is a native of East Tennessee and the Carolinas. Described as looking like a cougar, although sometimes also a half-woman half-cat, 
The wampus cat is considered to be a spirit of death and the earth. The most dangerous aspect of this creature was not its teeth or its claws, but its call. If the wampus cat's call is heard, it means someone is going to die within the next three days. Another creature to add to the list of do not invite to parties. While it may seem easy enough to dismiss most of the fearsome critters as nonsense or superstition, at least three survive as proud cryptids in the modern day, with one of the most well-known being the jackalope. The jackalope is a popular cryptid in areas of the United States where the black-tailed and white-tailed jackrabbits naturally occur, such as Wyoming and South Dakota. Described as a jackrabbit with antelope horns, the jackalope appears to behave like an ordinary jackrabbit with a little something extra. The first jackalope taxidermy appeared in the 1930s in Douglas, Wyoming. Curiously, though a traditional jackalope is described as a jackrabbit with antelope horns, such as the horns you'd find on a pronghorn antelope, the taxidermy mounts are almost always made using deer antlers. Less well-known but not less well-loved is the hodag, a creature from Wisconsin that has become the beloved mascot of Rhinelander, Wisconsin. This creature is described as having the head of a frog, the grinning face of an elephant, short, thick-set legs that end in claws, and the body of a reptile with a long tail with spears at the end. Though originally described by pioneer woodsmen, this creature became most popular in 1893, when newspapers in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, reported that a group of local men had killed a hodag using dynamite. The main hunter, one Eugene Shepard, told the papers the hodag was, and I quote, the fiercest, strangest, most frightening monster to ever set razor-sharp claws on the earth. It became extinct after its main food source, all white bulldogs, became scarce in the area. Right. Now, the papers apparently bought this, because in 1896, Eugene displayed a quote-unquote live hodag at the county fair, a taxidermy mismosh that he connected wires to so it would twitch and jerk when gawkers got too close. The jig was up, though, when the news made national headlines, and scientists from the Smithsonian announced that they would travel to Rhinelander to inspect the creature. Eugene Shepard, a well-known land surveyor, timber cruiser, and prankster, quickly confessed that the whole thing was a hoax. Our last critter is the Snallygaster, a North American dracodactyle that lives in the hills surrounding Washington, D.C. and Frederick County, Maryland. Described as half-reptile, half-bird, the Snallygaster has a long metallic beak lined with razor-sharp teeth, enormous wings, hook-like claws, one eye in the center of its forehead, and also sometimes tentacles. It purportedly makes a sound like a train whistle, and catches prey by silently swooping down from the sky and carrying them away to suck their blood. It can be kept at bay by seven pointed stars, which you will see in some older barns in Frederick, Maryland. In 1909, this creature made national headlines after a string of terrifying sightings prompted the Smithsonian to offer a reward for its hide. The creature became such a well-known menace that then-U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt considered postponing an African safari to personally hunt the beast. I guess Teddy Snallygaster doesn't have quite the same ring as Teddy Bear. But you gotta admit, this creature would make one heck of a children's toy. That's it this week for Fearsome Critters. I hope you enjoyed these Pioneer Day monsters, and if you're curious about any of these stories, check out the show notes to find out more. Intro and outro music is, as always, by Scott Ethington. Lastly, if you like what you heard, please, please, please rate and review us on iTunes. Or, if you could, consider donating to our Patreon. 
Every little bit helps, and more reviews means more people see this show, which would be cool. I'd love to get more monsters out there. Thank you for listening, as always. And remember, anyone can be a monster.